I'm Amanda Hanquist, The Fit Financial, and today we're diving into the price of style. How much are we really spending to keep up with the Kardashians? And how can we become intuitive with our money so that we can get over the quick, mindless spending and work toward achieving what's really important to us, our long-term wealth, our financial freedom? And be sure to stick around for the end because we're going to have a fit tip of the day with the creator of HO Fit, Miss Hannah Osman talking with us today about intuitive eating. Money talks, my friends, and it's time we listen. Are you living in a keeping up with the Kardashians mindset? Do you make real money now, but have nothing to show for it? Well, in this episode today, we're diving into the price of style. Is your keeping up mentality jeopardizing your financial future? And what are some things that you can do to build your long-term wealth while enjoying your money? Because hey, you deserve to enjoy your money, but you also, endure, you also deserve to be financially free. When we start making real money, there is no financial education out there to really teach us what we should be doing with it. And if you don't come from a family who teaches you good spending habits early, it's super easy to get caught up in the trap of mindless spending. So how do we use our money the right way? Well, let's break that down for you today. First of all, it's important to be connected with our money. Spending without connecting to the money that's actually being spent could literally be costing us our future. So we have to stop for a moment and think, do I actually need this? Will this bring me more joy? Or is this just another fast fashion item that's going to leave me feeling like I've dug a deeper hole? This is the emotional spending part. And when it comes to emotional spending, we're often using the things that we buy to fill something deeper. But that makes us feel better, but just for a short period of time. But this constant culture of newness gives us an empty promise An empty promise of needing new and wearing new all the time, but it just leaves us feeling more and more empty with fuller closets and more stuff, giving us more anxiety and honestly more depression over the fact that we've dug our hole even deeper. So this idea of constant consumption will literally drive us broke if we're not careful. So let's break down those basics. Number one, emergency reserves. See, if you're anything like, like how I was growing up, it was taught that we just don't spend money if we don't have it. But that was, that was the foundation. That was literally the 101, the only thing that I knew about money. Well, you see, when I started making real money, that didn't really work for me because I didn't know how to allocate it. I didn't know the foundations of it. So this right here, Let's talk about the foundations of money. So number one, going back again, emergency reserves. This is a priority. You can get eaten alive without emergency funds. Honestly, we recommend one to three or excuse me, three to six months of your bills saved up. But first your goal has to be that one month at least. If you don't have that one month saved up, Honestly, every other fun thing out there is a hard no. Unfortunately, my friends, you're just one bad experience away 
from being in a mountain of debt or a poor situation. Number two, have a why. Create your goals annually, but review them often. Short and long-term goals are important. For example, what do you want to do over the next one, two, or three years? And then your long-term goals, what do you want your retirement to look like? For me, it's difficult to relate to that word retirement. You see, I actually enjoy working. I love having my young kids at home with me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, that I, uh, I, I don't want financial freedom. I want to be able to work when, how, where I want to. But not because I have to in order to pay the bills. So in order to do that, we must create a financial plan for getting there. And this allows us to have guardrails in place, bank accounts with names on them so that you have a connection, a purpose, a name to your money. Maybe you have a vacation fund or heck, even a stupid money fund where if you want to spend it on dumb things, you can. Fast fashion, Botox or whatever. The point is, is your money has a name to it, right? And that's, that's the whole point. We should be able to have fun, but we have to have these responsibilities met first because it's not as much fun spending this money mindlessly if we know in the back of our minds that we don't have the basics met yet. Number three, savings. Work your way up to this, but I recommend saving at least 20% of your income. If you're a business owner, that is after your expenses have been paid. But 20% of your income is for your long-term savings. And along the way, we're going to be paying off our bad debt. Bad debt is anything that is depreciating. Anything that is of high interest, double digit type of interest. The average credit card interest rate now is over 20% and that is insane. We are losing so much of our long-term wealth by paying this bad debt. So we are, we got to work our way out of paying that. But I hear a lot of you out there, Amanda, where do I even start? Every time I open up my phone, there's another influencer with five outfits on a 20 second reel. There's a, there, you know, the, the like to know it app, email ads, mailers, let's not even get started with Amazon. Right. And so here's what we have to do. It's not forever, but it's just until our priorities are met, just until we have the emergency reserves, just until we have our short and long-term goals on our way, just until we have our, our high interest or our bad debt met, right? Just until we have those things in place. It's going to be important that you unfollow your favorite influencer. Oh my gosh, I know. But quite honestly, it's a, it's a new era. It's 2024 now. And this frivolous spending is honestly out. Unfollowing your frivolous spending influencers, the ones that are tempting you to shop and buy, is going to be huge to remove temptation. It's just like, are you going to have a candy jar right in front of your face if you're on a diet and trying to... Uh, have healthier habits? No. So why are we continuing to follow the same influencers that are leading us down these, these paths of frivolous spending? Now, updating your ads on your social media platforms is going to be helpful too, because those ads are smart. They know exactly what they need to dangle in front of your face. So update those preferences so that you don't see them as frequently and you're not as tempted. Also, screen time limit. You can set these screen time limits on your phone, but it's also 
so easy to work your way around them. So have a mental limit. And remember, the more we say yes to ourselves, the more we follow through, the more proud we are of ourselves and the easier it's going to be to do it time and time again. All right, so limiting the screen time is going to limit those temptations. Deleting certain apps. Delete the like to know it. Delete the Amazon apps. Only buy these things on the on your actual computer because when you're buying them on the apps, it's just way too easy to be sitting there on your couch, scrolling and purchasing. But when you can just lot when you're logging on, when you're sitting at your desk and you're logging onto your computer, even if it's during your financial Friday and you've looked through your credit card statements already, you're going to be a lot less tempted to frivolously spend when you're on your computer, you've looked through your finances and now it's time to shop, right? You're going to know exactly how much you can spend and how much you can't spend. All right. Next is going to be removing yourself from the email lists. These companies are smart. It is their job to know exactly when to tempt you and what to tempt you with. And so when you unsubscribe, thank goodness Amazon has the promotions or Amazon, excuse me, Google has the promotions folder now because it's really easy to mass delete um, all of our promotions, but also go through your regular inbox and unsubscribe from anything that is tempting you because that's going to be super helpful. Um, don't forget that canceling credit cards is okay also. Because when you're spending $50 to save 15, don't forget that you're still spending 35, right? You're still spending more than the coupon. You don't always have to give in to those coupons. Don't forget, this is just temporary until your high interest debts paid off, until your savings goals are met. Once you're there, you can then begin to budget. The best part about this is when you're there, you can actually start to spend again but with zero guilt this time. But before you do, before you get there and before you start spending again, come back and listen to this podcast. All right. Cause right here, I'm going to tell you about a little budgeting tip that has helped me. I'm not a huge fan of the spreadsheets and the budgeting and the tracking every dime that I spend. I'm not a cross our T's and dot our I's type of person. If you go read this blog, you're probably going to find a few typos. That is just how I roll. And so what I have found that works tremendously for me, somebody that has gotten themselves out of immense credit card debt with a nearly perfect credit score now and a very good relationship with money. I use my method called the budget without budgeting method. And that is where I utilize my credit card. My credit card statement date I know is on the 20th of every single month. And I give myself an arbitrary limit. It's not my credit card limit. Oh, no, no, no. That is way too high. But my arbitrary limit for myself, I know that I can easily pay that off every single month. And so what is that amount? I don't know. That's going to be various for you. For me, it was different for me five years ago than it is today, right? But that allows me to have this sort of spending guardrail for myself. My groceries are on there. My uh, Botox is on there right? All of these little things that I want to spend is on that credit card. 
And so I know if it's not, if it's the 19th and I am at my limit, I'm done. Nope, it's a hard no until my credit card statement date processes again, and then it starts over. So at first, I just blew past this by the 10th of every month, right? And so now I've kind of learned to spread that out, let that go. And that has been a huge help for me to be able to spend, to be able to kind of buy a few things here and there, but nothing crazy. And then if there's something bigger than what I can use my budget without budgeting method for, then I save that. That goes into my short-term savings goal bucket, right? And I, I put money and cash in there every month and I can see that growing. And I do a financial Friday check-in so I can watch that grow every month. That's been so helpful in my relationship with money, almost like an intuitive way to spend. You know, speaking of intuitive, I wish I knew how paralleled health and wellness were 10 years ago because first I let my health go for my business, but then I let my business suffer for my physical goals. But here's what I've learned since then. A flourishing business does not require that we neglect our well-being, but also having been mentally and physically healthy doesn't mean we have to neglect our money goals either. And so that's why I wanted to have Miss Hannah Osman on this show to talk to us about the intuitive eating, um, you know, getting to that level to where we can have a good relationship with our money. And it's not so different than it is with our spending. And so we talk about just how parallel our health and our wealth really are. And so I welcome Hannah Osman on this show uh, today to talk with us about how paralleled our finances and fitness are, how one gets started with intuitive eating, and then talking about the importance of setting that foundation before sort of being released into, I guess, this intuitive world. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this next health segment of the episode. Awesome. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, dive into what we have planned today. Yes, absolutely. So we, you know, just got done talking about intuitive spending and how it's really important that first, in order to get to a point or a place where we can be a healthy spender, we must first obviously track and know what we're doing and know where we're at and have a foundation. And so I thought, what a cool way to bridge health and fitness and finance together than to have somebody who knows a huge amount about nutrition and intuitive eating. And I thought, let's have Hannah come on here and, you know, get into it with me on this intuitive eating thing. So do you find, and I think that it is such a cool parallel oftentimes with finance and fitness that we can almost literally be talking about finance, but it, it means the same in fitness too. You know, I've never, I've honestly never thought of it that way, but how you just teed that up where you almost have to go through a season of tracking mm -hmm. and then you can move into that season of intuitiveness. Like I've never thought of intuitive eating in that way, but it tees it up so perfectly because you're exactly right. If you have never, you know, measured your food and you don't really know what you're eating or what's in your food or how much your body needs, the idea that you can just all of a sudden intuitively eat is, is 
incorrect. Um, I mean, the hunger and satiety cues, all of it could be off if you've never had that season of tracking. Um, and that really gives you the foundation and the skill and just kind of the experience to be able to move into a more intuitive season. So I've never thought of it, but I love how you just teed that up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really find that for those that are, are feeling like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. They're like, I'm just going to eat chicken and broccoli. Right. And in life doesn't have to be that, that boring or that, you know, or, you know, as we were talking before we pressed record, getting into this point of almost eccentric uh, behavior where we're mm. like every microgram is being calculated and entered into the phone app or, or whatever. But I guess you're the expert in this. Talk to me about how one can gain a positive relationship with getting from one point of maybe being an eccentric tracker or only eating chicken and broccoli to then navigating their way to this healthy relationship with food and being more intuitive so it doesn't take over their entire life. Totally. So I'll, I'll kind of explain how we approach it within HO Fit. So my, my health and fitness company, um, because we have a lot of clients who they've never tracked macros or maybe their previous experience with tracking macros was fairly extreme and they became neurotic and obsessed. And it became this all in all out approach where they didn't know how to go out to eat without, you know, being able to track it in their, in their, my fitness pal or have like a food log or anything. And so um, I think there's a few different entry points when it comes to tracking. Um, there's a few different relationships that people can kind of fall into when it comes to tracking. For me personally, it did become fairly uh, obsessive. And so I felt like I, I had to just take a step back and recognize what was tracking macros trying to teach me. It was less about specifics and it was more about strategy, meal timing, protein distribution, uh, overall intake, that, that type of thing. So it, for an example, if, if you think about, you know, if your goal is to eat 130 grams of protein every day, when you see that number, it's like, whoa, that is a lot of protein. But then when we break that down a little bit, if you're eating five meals a day, you know, you would take that 130 divided by five. If you want to eat six meals a day, take that 130 divided by six or three base meals and then two snacks, you can kind of do the same thing. So I think people get overwhelmed when it comes to tracking macros because they're more so focused on, am I hitting these macros within five grams? Am I being perfect seven days a week? And if I'm not, it's almost not worth doing. And I, I challenge that and say, what is macros trying to teach you? It's trying to teach you about proper protein distribution for every meal, making sure you have a balanced plate and you can identify a protein, a carb, a, a nutrient dense carb, a healthy fat, and some sort of fiber or mi a micronutrient, so fruit or vegetable in every plate. So I think a lot of people can just get lost in the weeds of when I'm tracking, I have to be perfect. And it's really not what it's about. It's really more so about that meal cadence, meal composition, and then how you feel post meal or like post X amount of carbs or post X amount of protein or something like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how I love where you went with that about breaking that down. So like it can seem overwhelming for you and I who have been previous competitors. In fact, you were a pro, are a pro. Um, it can feel like 130. That's no big deal for us. Right. But if for you're sure. somebody that has, you know, never really had 
been tracking your protein, 130 probably seems very overwhelming, but it's really an education piece, like you said, to, and, and I kind of like to use it as well, because let's take beef, for example, as a food or protein source. You know, somebody might be thinking, cool, I'm having a hamburger that has, you know, four ounces of meat on it. That means I'm getting X number of protein and they're not realizing it's like 70, 30, or maybe it's a ribeye or maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it's like a chicken wing that's been fried. And, and so it, it really find that when you do have that foundation and that education, you're able to learn, then, you know, obviously too, what food has in it as well. Right. Right. Totally. And, and that's kind of been my experience, like removing myself from tracking macros. I still take all of the same tools. So every time I eat, I try to be able to identify a protein source, a nutrient dense carb, a healthy fat, and then some sort of fruit and vegetable throughout the day. And I'm a little bit modest as a coach when it comes to uh, appropriate servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I find that, I mean, this is just our society. We eat so ultra processed foods and even our vegetables have been put in stir fries and then they have, you know, stir fry mix on them. And then they're added like all this, all the sugar and stuff into that mix. So it's the micronutrient content at the end of the day, isn't what it used to be. And I'm still a little bit modest with my recommendations. So I like to tell clients, especially if they are micronutrient deficient and they're, they're not really gravitating towards any fruits and vegetables, at least hitting one serving of fruits per day and one serving of vegetables per day. Sometimes it's better to build the momentum around these habits than just like cold turkey. Hey, you're expected to hit them every single meal. So if you are someone who, you know, doesn't have a lot of fruits and vegetables in their diet, that would be a good place to start. I'm all about like momentum into these habits, not, you know, cold turkey, switch your routines. So even as I've like started, you know, removing myself from macros and transitioning into a more intuitive approach, having that three or four years of tracking gave me so much awareness around how much protein is in, you know, four ounces of chicken, how much, how much protein or how many carbs am I getting from a hundred grams of rice? And that, you know, translated to me being able to go out to eat and then still being able to identify, okay, here's a protein, here's a carb. This is a, around the appropriate portion for me. I've got some healthy fats covered because they probably cook everything in butter and oil. So that one's already checked off the list. And now I'm going to gravitate towards a fruit or a vegetable. And so what I learned from tracking macros translated so easily into me taking a more intuitive approach. And that ultimately helped me heal my relationship to food um, because I really struggled with, with tracking macros. If you're like an all or nothing person, that was definitely me. And I got just so hyper fixated on, on hitting my macros within five grams that I kind of lost the, what's the saying? I, I lost the forest through the trees type of thing. It was like, I just completely got addicted to hitting the, hitting the macros versus like, what are the macros trying to teach me? Yeah. I love that you shifted that uh, focus because I think that is so common, especially for women to get into this almost obsessive, like. I can't control anything else in my life. So at least I can control this. And it becomes this game of Tetris in your phone, you know, the night before the, you know, before I can put this meal in my mouth, I got to put it in my phone. Right. And or so the other way where it's like, if they don't have a food label, so say if you are going out to eat and you don't have like exactly what's in there, some people are like, Oh, well, if I can't track it, like I'm just, you know, doesn't really matter what I eat. But, you know, you can you can kind of take those guesstimation skills that I was talking about and you can still give yourself a ball, ballpark range on my fitness pal. So that like pass or fail mentality that we were talking about, 
sometimes you do get neurotic and you want to really hit the macros. But if you can't track the macros, are you someone who just wipes your hands and you're like, well, can't track today. So like, doesn't really matter what I eat. So yeah. there's definitely some middle ground. And, you know, I, I love taking the approach with my clients where we're tracking four or five days a week. And then we have two or three days a week where we're really eating the same foods, the same timing, the same portion sizes. We're still weighing or measuring out our food. We're just not plugging it into an app. So that can help you like flex that intuition a little bit and like test the waters. And then we can transition into like a three days track, four days intuitive, and then just keep going until you're fully ready to go into the intuitive approach. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that too, because I think that sometimes, especially if people do have an emotional relationship with food and they're, they're afraid to let that go, we're just kind of putting our toe in the water at first and then, okay, now we can put a leg in the water and then we can, you know, try. And then maybe if we feel like things are getting off course, we can go back to tracking if needed. What do you think is, so let's say that somebody has, is listening to this and they're like, I just, I really need to get this in order, but this whole idea of macro tracking, I would love to be able to intuitively eat. I am all or nothing, right? Where do I even start? Where do I begin? That's a great question. Um, I have, so I, I like to do a diet recall with clients who, you know, maybe they've tracked macros or maybe they've at least plugged some food into my fitness pal, but maybe they don't know exactly what their number should be. And just for anyone who's listening, if you type in your stats in my fitness pal, it is not correct. It is not correct. They, the, don't you ever wonder where they get their math? I know. And I mean, some of them, they have gotten better. I will say that, but like they don't, I mean, a, a macro calculator can't really ask you the psychology behind and like your mindset and your relationship to food. Maybe you have struggled with binge eating. Maybe you have struggled with some body dysmorphia. Maybe it doesn't account for like your dieting history. If you've spent the last decade attempting to lose weight, then you likely have a downregulated metabolism. So then that skews your numbers that you put in. So it is a, it's a starting place, which is great, but just don't take those my fitness pal or any, any tracking app calculations as like, this is exactly what I need to do. Because at the end of the day, it is a guesstimation and the metabolism is adaptive. Your entire body and being is adaptive. So, you know, if you follow a set of macros or even a range of macros for two, three weeks, you will need an update after that. And so um, I think if we're if we're talking about just getting started, I'm I'm really big, and we've chatted about this a couple of times. You have to have the awareness around your metrics and your macros and your numbers and where you naturally fall in order for you to measure and manage. So you in order to manage or make those adjustments down the road, we have to have, we have to come face to face with the data. So that's the first step. So I like to do like a diet recall with clients where um, if they're not great at tracking, I just have them keep a food log. So keep up with the brand, like what was your portion size? Was it three ounces, four ounces, a hundred grams, a half cup, whatever, however you measure it, just write it down, everything you eat and eat and drink. Um, Cause liquid calories count too. If you, you know, squirted three tablespoons of, of barbecue sauce on there, that's going to give you close to 20 grams of sugar. So we also need to need to track like condiments and things like that. And I think the way that HO fit approaches this, it's, it, you know, it's not this 
We have to track every single morsel of food, but you at least need to be aware, like if you are squirting two or three tablespoons of ranch on a salad, you're getting two or three tablespoons worth of calories and sugar and fat from that as well. So right. Or like dumping tablespoons of heavy cream into your coffee in the morning. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the first step is just coming face to face with the data. So I'll have clients either plug all of their food into my fitness pal, all their, all their liquid calories as well for um, five to seven days. If they're not ready for tracking, keep that up in a food log. And then I will go back and throw it into my fitness pal just to see where the numbers are at. Once we have, you know, five to seven days of averages, then you can really see like, where are you deficient? And this is where having either a coach or someone to give you your specific macros can be very beneficial. But just like the macro calculator, a coach is kind of that macro calculator and starting macros are always going to be a guesstimation. So even if you're working with a coach and they're like, these are your perfect custom macros, it is still a guesstimation. And then two weeks later, we're going to assess how things are going and then make adjustments. But if you, you know, if you have that data in front of you and you're like, wow, I'm averaging around 60 grams of protein every day. Um, that's, that would be the first start. Maybe you don't jump up to 130 or 140, but maybe you jump up to 80 and you hit that for two weeks, then hundred. And then you hit that for two weeks. And then you start playing around with food choices a little bit. So, um, you know, to answer your question, all in all, it's you have to come face to face with the data. And that is not, you know, with shame or guilt around your choices. It's not unintentionally or consciously trying to clean it up. It's just where are you at? Where are your deficiencies? And then you can start making adjustments from there. Yeah, which is powerful because, again, it's so paralleled with with the financial side because that's that's what it is. It's lay all the cards out. What does it look like? Where are we at? Because we can't make a plan until we know the base. Right. And so I love that. That's perfect. And then how long do you think, um, obviously everybody is different, but if they're diligent, if they go through the process, I mean, how, like, what would somebody's time frame be to where they would have to be tracking? Because I, I know everybody's goal is to not have to live with their phone and their scale and all of these things. Everybody's obviously different, but have you seen success in a short period of time of somebody being able to go from that tracking piece to that intuitive lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it really depends on the client's goals too, because if, you know, say for instance, you're wanting to lose 40 or 50 pounds, mm-hmm. we would have to intentionally be in a caloric deficit to, to do that. And when I say intentional deficit, I mean that that has to be measured. And yeah. so we have to know where your maintenance caloric intake is at. Um, if you need any like metabolic work. So say for instance, you have been someone who's been dieting for quite some time, your metabolism is downregulated. So we would have to go through a reverse dieting period or a recovery season or phase is kind of what we call it here at HO fit, where we're focused on revamping the metabolism, building caloric capacity kind of to be able to support a cutting phase down the road. So there are, it's, it's, it's a, it's a loaded question, to be honest, if a client feels, you know, maybe they have five pounds to lose and compositionally, they would just like to put on some muscle and lean out by just getting a little bit more diligent and coming face to face with that data. You're probably going to be able to accomplish the compositional changes that you're after. And, you know, as we continue increasing your food at that point, you may feel very fine to go, you know, just intuitive eat and kind of continue doing what you're doing. 
But I would say if, if someone has a big journey ahead of them, or if they have a lot of hormonal issues going on, or they're metabolically downregulated, or maybe they do need to work on that relationship component to food. It's just, it's a, it's a very layered approach that sometimes could take six months up to three years before we would have clients say like, okay, you're, you're good to go intuitive eat. But I will also say there can be seasons of intuitive eating. So we like to have clients, if they have like a summer vacation or something like that, we, we like to implement what we call a diet break. So instead of being, you know, on your tracking for five or six days a week, similar to how we work in the two intuitive days, just to kind of flex that intuition, can you take a full diet break where for that entire week you're practicing or you're, you're, you know, putting in play your intuitive approach to your nutrition. So, you know, usually when, when we have clients who are tracking, it's not just straight through. Um, it just depends on the season of life they're kind of in. Yeah. Well, that definitely makes sense. And it sounds like knowledge is power. So uh, I love that. And everybody's goals are so different, um, but this has been absolutely wonderful, very powerful, very informative. And I thank you so much for being here. Yeah, this was so fun. I'm excited to listen to the other part of this podcast so I can yeah. listen to else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited for it. Thanks yeah. so much for being on today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Fit Financial. Be sure to join us every other week to get your financial health in order. If you liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Find me on Instagram at The Fit Financial, or if you'd like to know more about how you can work with us directly, visit us at fitwealthadvisors.com. The Fit Financial Podcast is brought to you by FitWealth Advisors and Plan Group Financial, a registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply any level of skill or training. This has been provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or investment advice or recommendation of any particular security or strategy. The investment strategy and themes discussed may be unsuitable for investors depending on their specific investment objectives and financial situations.